0: i almost wore my suspenders in your honor because i was wearing that's what you had first yeah, act then. Yeah, and we're still yeah. using it for promotion i need to I, what do you think bring the suspenders back from time to time yeah, so. yeah. but everybody saw i thought i looked like a wall street banker and everybody told me i looked like larry king <laughs> yeah, right. and i don't want to look like larry king yeah, i wanted maybe, i wanted to look like a master of the universe yeah maybe <laughs> maybe don't bring them back just I, did, I had i
1: didn't think about the larry king part
0: Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics, and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton. One of the goals of this show is to try to explain complicated things in ways we can all understand. Well, one of the things that's moved to the top of my list is money. Uh, When I started out in commercial banking in the 1970s, it all seemed pretty straightforward. Now, not so much. Here are just some of my questions. Uh, What's a central bank digital currency? Uh, Sounds ominous, but is it a good thing? Uh, How does the Federal Reserve set interest rates? What's the dollar's world reserve currency status really mean, and and, and does it matter? Uh, Can the Fed really do anything to stop inflation? Or does the Fed really think that its mission now is to fight global climate change or to promote social justice? Do we even need the Fed? For some answers, I'm joined again by one of my favorite guests and good friend, Norbert Michel. He's vice president and director of Cato Institute Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. Uh, Norbert has the high distinction of being a guest on my second episode almost six years ago. And we had a great time with uh, Jack Spencer. You guys were at Heritage then, yeah. And um, so we're gonna. And actually, we were on. You were on with George Selgin about two and a half, three years ago. That's right. That's talking right. about money. And this so third, uh,
1: this is my third shot.
0: Yeah, but and the third time is really the charm that's because I, the list of questions I've got is crazy complicated.
1: <laughs> it's, it, it keeps getting more complicated. I think. Yeah.
0: It is. So that's your take too. It is getting more complicated.
1: I would agree with that. Yeah.
0: So where do you want to start with my list? Do you want to try interest rates?
1: I love the interest rate one, yes. Okay, let's go with that. Me. Um, so everybody always says that the Fed sets interest rates or that the Fed's kept interest rates too low for too long or, or some version of that. And I understand why, you know, they do set an interest rate target. Um, but the truth of the matter is they can't just make interest rates whatever they want. So... We, we don't want to give them too much credit or too much blame. You know, what, what they do certainly affects credit markets, um, but they do not simply set interest rates. They do administratively set a policy rate now, um, and that's the interest rate that they pay on reserves, and as well as the, the discount window rate and that sort of thing, right? But the Fed funds rate means nothing anymore, really. Uh, it's sort of a nominal thing. And, you know, when we look out over the broader financial markets, the, the truth of the matter is what they do does not set those rates. Um, and they are trying to have an effect on the supply of credit. And if you, or you could say the demand of the, or the demand for credit by trying to affect the price, but they simply don't set rates. So why that's important is you'll hear many people critique the Fed for, just for example, uh, prior to the 2008 crisis, somewhere back in the early 2000s, keeping interest rates too low for too long or their zero interest rate policy, you know, keeping interest rates near zero forever. And I, I've said that and, and <laughs> it well, and many and many people will and many Cor- people correct will. me and but if you but if you look at what they do, okay, and if you look at the, the way that rates move, they tend to follow rate movements. In other words, they adjust their targets based on what's happening in the market. And they try and they historically historically, they have tried to keep a minimal footprint in the markets. Now that that footprint has grown but not because of their strict monetary policy piece. It's because of the emergency lending and the sort of um, these, these extra monetary policy type of, of things that they do now that they didn't do before. There's a reverse repo facility for the money market funds. There's $2 trillion of cash sitting there, right? The Fed's supposed to be the lender of last resort. That's not lending. That's the Fed effectively borrowing money. So they're taking cash out of the economy for that. So that, that's, that's not a... That, that's not a rate-setting policy, and that's not a uh, credit-setting policy, and it's certainly not monetary policy. Um,
0: well, does Cato have a position about what uh, the Fed should be doing or not doing? And let, and let me back up. Yeah. Let's do a little history. This is part of a series, I think, of three shows so far I've done on money. And, you know, Federal Reserve created when? 1912, 1914, 1912, roughly. 19, yeah, somewhere back And there. the... Uh, you know it was, it was it was it was a lot of opposition to it and it was a it was part of the progressive uh, yep. uh legislation in the early 19 teens or something like that yeah and uh <clears throat> it and and so it was set up actually by a bunch of new york banks who thought they yes. could control the system yes that's right so Fast forward to today. it's over a hundred, <laughs> over a hundred years ago. The Fed's powers have grown. It's, the number of banks have shrunk, and it's now finding itself in a more, uh, more privileged position than ever.
1: Yes, no doubt. Um, you have the system that was created for one particular thing under the gold standard, under a completely different monetary system than what we have now. Yeah, uh, this the the idea was effectively to have these these reserve associations these sort of clearing houses modeled after what was going on in the private sector and it was very much a new york bank large bank driven uh move to get something that was more stable or solid for them and look this is reserves don't mean the same thing now as they did under the gold standard you know this is a completely different world Uh, and it's gotten completely different consistently through time. You have a pure fiat system now, and we have, uh, I would argue, a a more important public-private arrangement now, uh, or I'm sorry, a more definitive public-private arrangement. So you have this um, weird sort of public piece of this, right? It's the US dollar, but you still have private markets, banks, creating deposits so when we say things like the fed creates all this money that's not quite right you know does the fed enable a certain amount of creation of money yes but it's not them by themselves the the so
0: why do we spend all the all our time and ink on the
1: fed Ah, that is a great question <laughs> i we we parse the language of the things that they say you know if we look at uh federal open market well, if you're trading bonds up and, in new
0: york on wall street you got to pay attention because you're interested in you know market signals and things like that but what you're yeah. saying is in terms of the the macro economy it doesn't really matter that
1: much that's right no that's exactly what i'm saying yeah if you're it, it's one thing to be a wall street trader and worry about getting a tenth of a percentage point return on something right but the idea that what the fed is doing is sitting down in a basement and turning some dials and cranking up unemployment or cranking down inflation or cranking up gdp it's just not true it just doesn't work that way and you know the the 08 crisis is a great example you know if if the fed could control things that would have never happened the the current crisis or the if you want to call it the covid fallout um, with all the supply chain stuff and everything that was a crisis oh yeah okay so i mean another another great example though right if the fed could just turn some dials and make that stuff go away don't you think they would they would
0: wouldn't Isn't the Fed, a fed sort of a funny structure though because we're talking about the fed it's you've got you've got the the fed in dc and then you've got the Fed federal open mark market committee mm-hmm. and then you've got the 12 regional banks right and they're they perform there's there's a you know the,
1: the
0: Jay Powell and the chairman and the Fed and D.C. has become a more prominent spokesman for all this, but it's really a much more complicated system.
1: Oh yeah, and it's an outdated system. Yeah, you know, this was that was part of the deal that they put it together that way in nineteen in the early nineteen hundreds. It was part of the deal to get nobody wanted a central
0: bank, and so they right. said, okay, Kansas City, you can have your own bank. Richmond, yeah. you can have a bank. Atlanta, you yep. can have a bank. So everybody got their own. Federal yeah. Reserve Bank.
1: Yeah, yeah, These those different associations, those sort of like clearing. Now, when I was a commercial banker over. in
0: Chicago, I was at Continental Illinois Bank, and uh-huh. it was really very funny because on LaSalle Street, the foot of LaSalle Street, you had the, um, the CBO, the Board of Trade, trading all the agricultural commodities. And then the Federal Reserve was on one side of LaSalle Street with all the columns. And just on the opposite side of LaSalle Street, was Continental Bank. <laughs> and they looked exactly alike. All the except same. <laughs> the Federal Reserve Bank had Corinthian columns, yeah. and the F- Continental Bank had to have Doric columns because they couldn't, they didn't want people they confused, want to confused, as if people knew the difference between Corinthian and yeah. Doric. No, I'd have to look that way so that So in those days, you wanted to look, you wanted to be marble, you wanted to yeah. have Greek columns, you wanted to be solid. Inspired and so confidence. that was Chicago's bank. So there's I'm <laughs> I digress, but I thought it was interesting. <laughs> it is.
1: No, and, and but, but it's a good point because, you know, we always, we're, we're very quick to say the Fed does this or the Fed does that. And, you know, it's a really weird structure. It is outdated. It no longer serves the purpose that it was originally created to serve. So those, those district banks really don't make any sense at all. You know, if you look at what, what it was, what they were supposed to be when they started the system. They, we just don't do that anymore um and Tom now
0: bank's been turned into a shopping and, mall and i'm now, not sure about what's happened to the fed <laughs> across the street but anyway
1: i know they're still there yeah they are. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> but the the and the board in the 1930s the board in dc gained essentially complete control over the system um it's only gotten the worse, board in dc the board in dc federal
0: reserve board okay yeah. that they control the system and as of the 30s yes okay
1: at at, at least by uh, by virtue of a majority rule yes and and it's only gotten worse little bit by little bit in time uh, over time i mean they have like so it's really not the case that the fed is a private bank yes those district banks are not federal agencies but it doesn't really matter because the federal reserve board is a federal agency and the federal reserve board is running the show so um so what you have when you say the fed is you have this oversight board if you will in DC and you have these district banks all around the country and they've become sort of these research and advocacy groups um well, there's all kinds of economists thousands and thousands of economists doing research and the board has their own as well and their, their feeding policy. Well a
0: thousand, they have a thousand economists. They all went to MIT. Yeah. They all they all learn the same models. They yeah. have exactly the same worldview. And they yeah. all wear those little propeller beanies. Or do they? Well, I, I, I have a standard no, issue at the Fed that
1: that might be right. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't seen the propellers but I, so I can't say one of um, my professors
0: <laughs> at George Washington when I took a couple of classes there was a Fed economist. <laughs> He was the one that made did that he, joke.
1: Did he? Okay, I was gonna say, did he come he, in with the he, didn't have, because, one. he right. didn't have one. He I thought should. everybody else did.
0: Well, you know, you say something that you said mentioned setting policies and writing papers. The twelve banks. You take a look at the San Francisco Fed. The San Francisco Fed has become notoriously woke. Yes, and they were the ones that oversaw the Silicon Valley yeah. uh, debacle. That's right. And if you go on the Federal Reserve website, I haven't done it quite recently it's just filled with papers about how Fed monetary policy ought to be bringing about social justice, yeah. and Fed monetary policy ought to be fighting uh, global climate change. And my view is the Fed can't really even do its own principal mission very well, which is maintaining a strong right. currency. So it's got all these mission drifts throughout the system. Oh,
1: yeah. No, we, we agree there completely. Um, their their main sort of mandate on... on on macro policy i would say is also outdated uh, I, it's not something that the we fed's should,
0: supposed to with the dual mandate is what it's supposed to be stable stable money stable the prices, second mandate is full employment
1: stable prices maximum employment and then there's actually a moderate interest rate one in there too so it's technically three but nobody talks about that one even though they say the Fed sets interest rates. <laughs> well, I never even knew
0: based on what we're talking yeah. about how the Fed can possibly maintain a full employment economy. They
1: can't. They can't. So and, it's and got
0: one sitting right there that many politician yeah. thought was a good idea, but it can't even that's do right. it.
1: No, that's right. And this came this came out of the sixties and seventies with the Phillips curve stuff. And you know, Phillips curve
0: is was a trade off between interest rates and, and employment? That's right. Yeah. Interest rates and okay. unemployment
1: trade off. And basically right around the time the economics, the, the economics profession was realizing, oh, wait, maybe that's not an exploitable trade off. Congress wrote it into law. so <laughs> And it's been stuck there. That's what know, Congress 100%. does, so, yeah. right, right? Write yeah. those
0: really bad ideas into law. Yeah. Um, this is the Bill Walton Show, and I'm here with uh, Norbert Michel, a great friend, runs the whole money operation at uh, Cato Institute, which is one of my favorite think tanks. And we spent the last 10, 15 minutes or so trying to figure out what the Fed really does. Yeah. <laughs> and, we're, and we're still working on it. So uh, We so, might need more than 10
1: more minutes. <laughs> 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 uh, um, but they do. Do you, want me, do you want me to go a little further? I want
0: you to do whatever. You know, okay. I'm, 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 let's so follow they, our let's, let's see if we can't understand what this is really all about. So,
1: so one thing that the Fed can do is clamp down on credit. Right. they can they can make credit much tighter and much more difficult to get and 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 that's something that is possible. They have control over reserve requirements, they have control over discount window lending, they have control over bank funding. Um, there is no doubt that if the Fed wanted to just wreck the economy, they could increase reserve requirements, increase policy rates, and make it incredibly difficult for banks and other uh, financial firms to get funds. That, that is possible. But the consequences that would come with that would not be good. So they don't want to be in that position. Okay, That's the, the, it's, it's against their interest to do that. And what you will notice over at least the last, I would argue, 50 years is that what they are trying to do is have an effect on expectations have an effect on credit markets but a minimal effect so in in other words they they don't want credit to go crazy they don't want money creation to go crazy they want to hold things in check but they don't want to clamp down on them so much that they completely wreck the economy and you'll see some of this going on right now with well, the aren't they trying to wreck the economy
0: right now i mean that was one of my questions yeah, can the fed don't really do they anything are. to stop inflation
1: they, the biggest thing that they can do is credibly show that they are concerned with inflation and that they are going to get back to their 2% target. Now, And they can do that by adjusting their policy rate, but they only have so much latitude to adjust their policy rate. Like They can't just say, we're going to make interest rates 10%. Like That's, that's not going to work you actually end up with a lower equilibrium rate if you do Well,
0: they're also trying to manage the stock market they've got one eye on the stock market as they're doing this i mean let's
1: and the well so and then we, we talked a little bit about their their dual mandate and we didn't really talk about their financial stability mandate and i've argued for years now that that's a bad idea So this is another part of it and this is why they have their eye on the stock market and on other other parts of the financial
0: sector. they don't want to cause a stock market crash
1: yes they don't want anything messy on their hands yeah and this is like this is now so what we're saying what i'm saying is look they can't even control interest rates they they can't control the macro economy they sure as heck can't control financial markets and stock prices so what we should not have is a mandate in place that Effectively forces them to worry about those things. Right, it's counterproductive.
0: Well, you had lunch with Jay Powell last week. Did he? Did he admit all this? You know, I can't
1: talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's pretty good. I mean, yeah, just a couple of you
0: having lunch. He's he's a good guy. He is. I I do think he's running. I I think he's sitting atop something that's very hard to control.
1: I agree, and you know, I can't speak for him. So you'll you'll have to get him on the show and ask him. Uh, But but I do agree with you that. You know the problem with a show like
0: this with elected officials or with yeah. people who are in administrative jobs—they'll never tell you anything.
1: Not going <laughs> to, not going to be a, a very big discussion, very broad discussion. <laughs> Maybe when he steps down,
0: he could be very interesting. Yeah. Well, but I, we're we're drifting just a bit. But <laughs> let's, let's explain financial stability. So you're you're, you're J Powell. You're sitting there. Yeah. If you think about financial stability. So you're not worried just about interest rates and credit you're worried about the stock market, the commodities market, what and, else? And bank
1: failures. And bank failures. Yeah, which is what we saw with the Silicon Valley stuff. So was
0: the Silicon Valley the failure of the Federal Reserve in San Francisco to oversee it properly, yeah. or was it something else?
1: Oh, it's a lot. I mean, I think you definitely have, and we, and, and we don't know all the details yet, so I'll preface what I'm going to say with that. Um, but it certainly looks like there were regulatory supervision failures. Uh, at the very least, there were some red flags that went up in 2021 and 2022 um, about the way the bank was, was, was hedging its portfolio or not hedging its portfolio. And you know it seems like an elementary mistake. It seems like one that was actually flagged for the reg- by the regulators and nothing was done about it. So that we have to get to the bottom of that. That does look like that was a failure out on the, on the district bank. Uh, who is the regulator for that? Well, you have
0: to be more careful than I do because you've got to yeah. talk with all these people. But my understanding was the Federal Reserve of San Francisco had just given Silicon Valley Bank the highest marks for its equity program and oh. its climate program, and that they were they were they were just saying the bank's doing a great job, yeah. pushing those agendas and that's not a business I think the federal reserve should be in or a bank should be in particularly, but that's my, that's just one. I
1: I share your take in that that's not something they should be doing. Yeah. Uh, And you know, maybe it is the case that they were wasting too much time doing those things rather than the actual supervision of the bank and the bank's risk. Um, And you know, like i said there it does look like there was a literal failure on the risk management side um supervisory wise
0: but the but the financial problem was they bought long-term bonds at a low interest rate interest rates went up and, and it looks like it was they were pushed up by the fed although we can right i don't you know so anyway interest rates. i want to come to that but go ahead okay so the value of their bond portfolio dropped because if you had to sell it you'd have to get sell it for a lot less so people could get that higher yield that was out in the market silicon valley had that problem but then so did first republic and so did um, what was the third one that was signature signature Uh, so is there a system, and I've also heard there's like $600 billion of yeah. loss in the banking system from that same phenomena. Do well, we need to worry about the other shoes to start dropping?
1: I, I mean, that's really hard for somebody like you or I to say for sure. I know Grunberg said something about that. Grunberg and is I, who? Uh, FDIC chair. Okay. And I bet he'd like to walk it back. I don't know. But, um, you know, if you look at unrealized losses without the hedging, yeah, that's, there's certainly a whole bunch of people holding long-term bonds. Now, if it's hedged properly, it's not as big of a concern. And if you don't have runs and you don't have to sell at a loss, it's not as big of a concern. Because if you hold those assets, uh, you're not going to lose the principal. And so now that, that, that's another question, though. Why are they all holding that? Well, that's a regulatory problem like the the regu- I,
0: th- I think they were encouraged to hold
1: those bonds. Oh, no, no thinking. Yes, they were. <laughs> so so <laughs> let's, let's Most do, banks let's, look like that let's, now let's, because so of the, does the Federal Reserve. Oh yeah, yeah. Most so banks let's, look let's, like let's, that. So let's let's do
0: another question. I don't know if it was on my list, but here's what's happened. We've had and we I said that can the Fed stop inflation? I think part of the root cause of inflation is not the Fed, but mm-hmm. the massive federal spending. Yes. The yes. 6 or 7 yes. trillion dollars. And the way they paid for that was not through raising taxes or because they had money on hand. They borrowed money. That's right. Treasury-issued bonds. The Fed bought those bonds, about half of them, and commercial banks bought the other half, and the commercial banks bought them at the urging of the Federal Reserve. Well, Is that a, you know, I'm... Even without I'm, a direct, I'm not day-to-day day on yeah. this, but that's my impression about what happened.
1: I mean, even without a direct urging, uh, there's every regulatory reason to hold those safe, quote-unquote, safe assets. The yeah. whole system is geared toward holding more of those safe assets. Uh, and you also had regulatory requirements requiring more safe assets. So even without a directive from the Fed itself, you have these regulations that require that. Um, and then, you know, I think, this, but this is, you 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 hit it on the head. This is the, the core of this at the beginning of the the COVID crisis. You have all this federal spending, all this federal borrowing and spending. The Fed accommodates it. But keep in mind, the Fed set up partly to do exactly that. I mean, they are a fiscal agent of the U.S. government. They are there to help accommodate uh, more treasury debt. So... You know, yes, they, they the bought Fed, a third the of the Fed's new debt. But the Fed's
0: not funded by the Fed. The Fed's not funded by Congress. The Fed supports itself with its earnings. Correct. And, of course, they're losing money now because of these bond purchases.
1: Yes, they are. And and because of their operating framework that pays interest on reserves. To That's banks. A big, the, to banks, yes. And That's so they hold reserves
0: at the Fed instead of lending money to companies to That's right. promote the private economy.
1: That is right. That this sounds our, really screwed up this is up. a big part it <laughs> is and this is all a continuation of what we did in the 08 crisis so this is you see this expansion in 08 and it really is at the heart of it it's really just the same idea that look no matter what happens the federal government can borrow a bunch of money and spread it around and everything's going to be fine well you know if you do a little bit of that one time you might you might get away with it but the more of that you do the more of the the more of the risk that you have that it's not going to work. And you know, you saw some of that after 08 in a slower growing economy and we've never gotten away from that. We've just kept going and then instead of clearing it up, it was still we, we were still in the middle of that mess when the 2020 covid stuff hits. So then we go with then we go even bigger. And sure enough, you have you, you you've, you've got government uh, directives literally shutting down the economy while you're borrowing and spending all this money. So you're driving demand, you're killing supply, and it becomes a complete disaster. Yes, inflation goes up. Well, when inflation goes up, what happens to interest rates? They go up. People expect prices to go up. So anybody who's doing anything in the financial markets. You're lending money.
0: You've got to get a higher gotta, rate.
1: That's right. Yeah. So rates go up. Um, and, and you can see it. Rates went up.
0: Yeah, mortgage rates have more than doubled.
1: Yeah, and rates started going up before the Fed started raising its targets, uh, and that's an expectation and economic effect that they don't have control over.
0: Uh, this is the Bill Walton Show. I'm here with my friend Norbert Michel with Cato Institute, and I set out this episode trying to say we're going to take complicated things. and try to understand them in ways we can all understand. And I think where I'm going with this is I'm getting more... <laughs> I mean, it's getting very complicated, uh-huh. but I do think we ought to... We have to keep pressing forward because if we just ignore what we think is complicated, it can mm-hmm. really end up hurting us. Yeah, And yeah. I want to talk about digital bank, central bank digital currencies, which I think is one of the things that can really hurt us. Yeah. But before that I, I wanna we touched on something called that I think is called modern monetary theory. Ah. Yes. Which you which I think is the label for what you just described. Let's 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 talk of what it, it what is that?
1: It can be, but it doesn't have to be. So you can have all this borrowing and spending um without <clears throat> doing the modern monetary theory version. But the yeah. but the MMT version would say that yeah, you need to do a lot of that. You need to do a lot of borrowing and spending, spreading money around. Uh, to get whatever economic outcome we want. And if there's inflation, you need to tax, uh, increase taxes to counteract that inflation. And you can just sort of steadily manage the economy and make up for any of the private shortcomings or the shortcomings in the private economy with government spending. And it's sort of, uh, I mean, there's some technical issues here, but it really is sort of just like the, the basic um, post-war Keynesian idea writ large
0: the government can do anything yeah but that, i want to get the CBDCs, but it also leads us to the dollar status as the world reserve currency mm-hmm. we enjoy an enormous uh gift because yeah. that's the case we oh, can yeah. we can run massive trade deficits and we can run massive uh federal budget deficits and really don't have to pay the price as long as everybody's forced to hold dollars
1: yeah and 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 they want to hold dollars, you know? So we do, we do, we do sort of have this curse. Uh, we can borrow like crazy right now because as as messed up as our system might be and as much as you and I might not like it, you know, compared to a lot of other countries, the dollar is really good. Our property rights, our wealth, uh, it's really high. So people want dollars. Uh, our government, as much as we might not like some of the things that they do, um, much better set of Well, it sounds like we're in
0: sync on the idea that, you know, people are now, Tucker Carlson did a show recently about uh, what Biden's doing is really jeopardizing the dollar status of the world reserve currency by politicizing it, and I think he is mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing, of, and you're, you're touching on it, the U.S. economy is still about a quarter of the global economy. Yeah, yeah. And another quarter of, of the global economy is China. Well, who on earth wants to hold Chinese currency when you've got it controlled by the Chinese Communist Party? Right. So technically, there should be another currency that's rivaling the dollar. But because it's mm-hmm. China, it's never going to happen. It's not.
1: Certainly not at the moment. I mean, I hate to say never, but yeah, and no, then, certainly so, not in the near so future.
0: The dollar is about 58% of the world reserve currency right now, and it's fluctuated from 90 to 40 and you know somewhere in there the euro is only about 20 percent yeah and the euro had a chance to become more dominant but then they blew it with their banking crisis yeah and so you're really left with no place else to go i mean the uk is about five percent japan's about five percent japan is a demographic uh, (laughs) catastrophe and it's had so i'm i'm you look around the world; there are a lot,
1: of, are a lot yeah. of places you don't want to put your cash. Right, Russia? Like, no, you probably don't probably don't want to do that. So what we're you saying
0: know? is that since every so we're we're doing a terrible job, but everybody else is doing worse. Worse. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're not so as worried about the global reserve currency status for? I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, neither am I.
1: No, I'm not. I mean, it's is it you know? I think that it's just it's a it's a it's an artifact of how good we are relative to everybody else you know and and that's really it and i would make the argument that we want to be careful and we want to do things to to preserve how good we are but i would want us to do better you know so but I but 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 making that the principal driver of our policy is probably not a good idea because it does come with a downside um a self-defeating downside
0: so uh let's talk about what we are concerned about which is a central bank digital currency you just published a paper a few days ago what's the title of it is
1: Uh, oh man um somebody else gave it the the title but anyway yeah i don't know if that one was the risks of a cbdc or or something along that
0: anyway it was a comprehensive it is view about so it's on the cato website
1: yes Uh, My colleague, Nick Anthony, and I wrote it, and it is a comprehensive look at both the supposed benefits and risks of a central bank digital currency. What are they? And do you want me to do both benefits and risks? Sure. Okay, so what you hear from the central bankers or the government officials that want to do this is that it's going to do things like improve financial inclusion, improve payment speed, improve anti money laundering capabilities, improve monetary policy. Uh, those are off the top of my head. Um,
0: we, have a, we have a cartoon I want to put up yeah. on the graphics. So Kenny, when we get to this, there's a, there's a cartoon which explains the benefits and it's just this narrow tunnel Vision of of convenience. Anyway, continue. So we'll we'll, we'll use this as a graphic.
1: Okay. Oh no. And so there's this laundry list of these kinds of benefits, and what they don't really tell you is that if you want those benefits, you have to do kind of all kinds of other things, and you have to do all these things at once, or you don't get those benefits. And that's where the risks come in. And the risks are that you will have. Uh, the central government completely in control of your money and and when i say completely in control i mean so
0: completely so it's it's pretty simple there are all sorts of variations on it but in essence mm-hmm. you're, ba- you're 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 no longer checking with the local checking with the local bank or citigroup you're checking with the federal reserve you're checking that's accounts right. with the federal reserve
1: that's right that's right and they might tell you that we'll, we'll just set up a bank uh, so that it can be, there's an intermediary and in front an, of it. Yeah. You just deal with Citibank. Don't worry about it. It's like That's college rush. Okay. They put up with a facade, yeah. Yeah. but behind it is the it's real the story. Yeah. <laughs> so, so imagine your your cash, right? Our our paper dollars. Yeah. So the, t- technically, those are liabilities of the Federal Reserve, but that really doesn't mean all that much because it, they don't have to do anything. If you have the dollar, you have the dollar. Um, It's kind of like an IOU nothing. The only thing that the Fed's responsible for with that is printing more of them if we need them in circulation. Uh, But with a central bank digital currency, it is a digital version of that that is a liability of the Fed, and now it means something. Because now it's on the Fed's balance sheet, it's not on a bank's balance sheet, and now the Fed has to provide an electronic mechanism for you or I to use that dollar really yes
0: so they approve so they can uh they've got a document of every transaction uh yes they um they fully control every penny really so they can say we don't want yeah. you spending money on um let's say guns
1: guns cigarettes alcohol
0: diesel fuel any of the any of the non-woke uh, activity. Yeah, you
1: know anything really anything and 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 so, like when they say things like it's going to help us improve monetary policy, what does that mean? Well, that means the Fed can look out and say, well, we think spending is too high. We need to have less spending in the economy. Well, how do you have less spending in oh, the you're economy? Kidding. So they could block access people from to spending our money. money. Yes. Yeah, so you yeah.
0: thought you had $1,000, but we're only going to let you spend 800 Exactly.
1: Yeah, no. And this is not I mean, this is tyranny. This is oh yeah. This is not some kind of like 1984 or conspiracy theory stuff. I mean, this is real. This is exactly what these guys talk about. We have a we have another product, digital product, on the website at Cato, where we talk, where we have quotes, direct quotes from federal and from um I'm sorry, international government officials talking about how great it is going to be to control what everybody does with their money. So this I mean, this is real. This is this is, this coming. is real.
0: And Lale Brainerd was the yes. woman at the Fed. She's now moved under the White she's House. Isn't, isn't she next in line to National be Economic Treasury Network Secretary?
1: Council. Well, I mean, she's talked about it in that right re- in that regard. She's OK. A, well, maybe, a, maybe she's an acolyte. Maybe. Of so,
0: but and, it, so there, yeah. there are advocates in the White House right now pushing this.
1: Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, this is an interesting thing. I keep hitting your mic. This is an interesting thing when we talk about the Fed. You know, there are people in the Fed who don't want a central bank digital currency. And quite frankly, I think Jay Powell is one. And this isn't about our lunch. The, I, just, I just don't, th- I think from- Your lunch was
0: completely off the record. Nothing the record. you're saying has anything to do, to do with, do with that. that lunch. No, okay. nothing to do with that lunch. All
1: right. I, public statements only. <laughs> I think he wants nothing to do with a CBDC. But Janet Yellen does. She does. And Lale Brainer did. Yeah. You know. So I don't know how. I don't know who's left at the Fed in on uh, in DC on the board. Who wants it? And you know, Virtually maybe some people in some of the district on the planet, banks. Want I want to it, charge more money.
0: Is Janet Yellen?
1: Yeah. No. I that, that would not. It would not be good.
0: Uh, so they can freeze your funds. Uh, now it also links into the Chinese social credit system.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean. So they have a central bank digital currency, and that's what they do with it, right? So they're experimenting with looking at what you're spending on, and if you're if you're you know if you have good social credit score, you get to spend some more. If you have a bad social credit score, you get to spend some less. So it's programmable in that manner, and you know this isn't something that you would want a free society to emulate. This is something you would want a free society to run away well,
0: from. Let's do a working example from today's headline. January six, anybody involved in January six, if we had CBDC, mm-hmm. they would have all their bank accounts cut off.
1: More than likely, yes, yes. And you saw this happen in Canada. Yeah, when the truckers the trucker were, but bo- were right.
0: what were they? The, the they vaccine were, ma- Whatever. They
1: were they were protesting COVID shutdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah Something. Mandates, yeah. And so, and this is, so we could already have that happen I, as as Canada shows. You don't need the central bank digital currency to do that. But the central bank digital currency makes it a lot easier. And for the central bank digital currency to truly work, you have to take other options away from people. So they'll say, well, no, no, we don't want to take away your cash. We just want to have this other option. Well, if I have cash as another option, then I don't care what you do with your CBDC, right? but the only way that that works from the policy perspective is to make sure that you don't have any other options because that's the only way that you can force people well, to let's behave. T- a certain
0: let's let's talk about other options because the thing that's happened in the last 20, 30, 40 years are non-bank financial in They're you know both yeah. both on the internet and 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 in in real in real, you know, with storefronts. Um, and then we also have cryptocurrencies. And so those yep. are those are out there how do those two pieces interact with with this
1: well those two things together and I'd say the non-bank on the probably to a greater degree have had have had an effect on what the Fed can and can and can control.
0: Because you mentioned Fed controls credit. Yeah. I don't think so. <clears throat> Not to much. the degree they used to. Because there's that's a lot right. of non-bank no, right. financial uh, credit providers. You know, I ran one of them. That's right. And so you you don't need to go to your bank for for risk capital. You can go to one of them. Yes. And they're like what half half of the market now. Yes. Yes. So, so when we it's, talk it's about to, banking, there, there's, there's way, a yeah. big chunk of that's the right. market that's not not that's not banks.
1: banks. That's right. That's right. And now you also see these new alternatives, crypto coming up. Um, you know that hasn't taken off yet to a degree that well, it nobody would, understands but, them. Right. <laughs> but but you know it's early, and I think the way that that Sam we Sam Bank Fre-
0: bankman Friedman understood that. Yeah, it?
1: he really messed this up on that. He you did. know, um, so <laughs> you just can't trust some people. But the, but the the way that we should look at this is that we should have more private alternatives and we should have a regulatory and legal framework that makes it easier and makes it uh, easy for people to use those alternatives for money as they see fit so whether it's crypto or gold or whatever whatever people want to use they should be able to do that.
0: We're, we're, we, we we talk about fiat currency as I've said. But there's a long list of complicated things. Fiat currency is basically money that's not backed by anything. That's right. And there, I, a friend of mine who's a gold bug, made me he gave me this terrific book, uh, and it's it's it's, a, it's a compilation of all the failed fiat currencies over the last four thousand years. Ah going back to Egypt and you know China and India and all that, and bank- governments are always trying to get you to take paper that has no backing. Oh, yeah. And they've all failed. Yes. And we're looking at a fiat system right now, not only the U.S., but worldwide.
1: Pretty much everywhere. Should That's we right. be nervous? That's right. I wouldn't be nervous simply because of that. And, and the reason that, the, and this is where I get in trouble with the gold bugs, um, because as appealing as that system sounds, and as, as good as it did for a while, it too failed. And to have it work, you would need internationally, you would need governments to cooperate. And at this point, you would need people to understand gold and recognize gold as money. So I, I, don't, I don't think that's something that we should shoot for, but I do think that we should just let people decide. I think people should have alternatives. Whether it's a crypto, whether it's a stable coin, whether it's some kind of gold backed credit card or, or whatever it is. I think but that's that's the thing that we don't have now, and that's the thing that we need.
0: So that's a Cato recommendation.
1: Yes. Yes. And I actually made that recommendation even when I was still at Heritage and in another lifetime. Well, that counts. But so yeah, so I so I'm consistent on this. I think this is the way to go. I think this is you you do have a public private relationship. With money already, and people don't think of it this way, but when you go to a bank and you make a loan that is private money creation. what we would allow people to do is create whatever kind of money they want when they do that and that's you know that you you don't have the the legal and economic incentives yet to do that um, there are some that are there, but there are some very clear economic hurdles to doing that regulation uh, any money laundering is one that gets thrown up in front of it. You can see what the government's trying to do right now, Biden administration, to try to stop crypto. Uh, they're scared of that. They're scared of it becoming something that threatens the dollar. What do you, what do you make of the fact said? that, that the, Chinese,
0: the Chinese are now allowing all the crypto companies to uh, begin to thrive again in Hong Kong?
1: Oh, okay. So, okay. Now you're ahead of me there. No, I know. Yeah. That no, they the banned them in China, and I know that. Well, they banned
0: right. them, but I think okay. now they're making mischief. Okay. okay. Now that now that we're having our own banking issues, I okay. Think they're, okay. I think they clearly don't want it for. They're not going to let it happen in China. Okay. But they'd love to have it happen. Somewhere else. Every place else, so that they can <laughs> uh, be disruptive. Yeah. Well, and they're really put. in Hong Kong, which is no longer free, mm-hmm. now now really been tucked into Chinese communist. China, Chinese Communist Party. China—that's a mouthful. Anyway, yeah. CCP. Uh, I think they're. I think they're. They're. They're out uh, mischief making. Oh,
1: okay. No, I, no, I didn't hear this. I, I didn't know. I didn't realize that that was uh, a thing. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just didn't. That one's. That one's new to me.
0: Okay. Well. I,
1: but, the more uh, private alternatives we have to the state-backed or non-backed currencies, the better. Um, and I think that' that's, that sh- 's a policy goal that 's worthy of having, uh, which is to have a framework that allows those things to flourish
0: okay we 've got to wrap up okay Let me direct us to some reading assignments so if we we've, if we've, if we've oh. ticked off people 's interest in this and you want to follow up we can 't cover all this complicated stuff in forty forty five minutes where, where no. should what should people be reading
1: the first place I would go, and it'll have a whole bunch of other things that you can read, is Cato's, it's my group's, our CMFA, Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. Right. We have a policy guide for the 118th Congress, and that's on the web. So okay. it's, just, it's called Sound Financial Policy. Good. It's on our website. Okay. If you just find me on the website, you'll find all of this stuff.
0: Well, that's why you're here. I yeah, sort of yeah. count on you to give me a libertarian free market view about what our money ought to be about. So thanks a lot.
1: Thank you. Thanks it's really, it's
0: really fun. So yeah. anyway, we've, we've uh, this has been the Bill Walton Show with Norbert Michel of the Cato Institute, and we've been trying to th- talk through and think through uh, our money and uh, what we ought to do with it. And I think he's pointing us in a great direction to take a look at the Cato website if you really want to dig into this and learn what's at stake. Uh, and there's a lot at stake particularly with the central bank digital currencies. That's something we cannot let happen. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed our show. Uh, And uh, as usual, we welcome your comments, either on Substack or on the website or on YouTube or Rumble or all the other podcast platforms where the show appears. Um, we take your comments quite seriously. We like to do shows that you're, you're curious about and talk with people you're interested in. So send us your comments and uh, thanks for joining and uh, we'll be talking with you again soon. So take care. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over a hundred episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page and send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.